welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. I am, um, I've kind of been on a little month's journey with you. But I'm kind of moving back to faith today. I am, um, I was talking to people yesterday and I was thinking about the Holy Spirit just kind of dropped into my heart um, this statement that the the prophetic needs an infrastructure of the supernatural you know let me just kind of meander around with you a little bit that you know you're reading this alignment book and what I think you're on chapter 10 or something maybe and um, I don't really actually track with you. You know, I usually read the books in advance. And so then, um, but I was thinking about, I look back at chapter 10 and I was thinking I had mentioned the things in chapter 10 a few months ago before y'all started reading the book. And it was, it is an infrastructure of sorts. You know, an infrastructure is, let me give you a, 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 a definition. It's the basic framework or foundation of a system required for activity. So in the natural, the infrastructures we can see in this country are paved roads and systems of government, you know, the things that where you pay your taxes in and then someone that you don't even know is making sure that when you got on that highway today that it didn't have a bunch of potholes on it. If you've ever been to a third world country, anyone ever been, what is a third world country? Anybody ever been to Haiti? Come on, my Haiti people. Anybody been to a third world country? If you haven't been to a third world country, you can't appreciate the infrastructure of America because you, you inadvertently took it for granted. You know, when we went to Haiti, it was a really great example of a poor governmental run country and infrastructure. And so when they had trash, they just threw it down on the ground. I mean, like every piece of trash that you can think of, even that trash that's supposed to go in the bathroom receptacle, it was just everywhere. And so there was no infrastructure of trash upkeep there. So that can make you appreciate that alone. You know how we're like mad if, you know, our big blue don't get out on time and, right? Come on. That's what we call the big blue up in the north side of town. I don't know what y'all call it down in Norman, but anyway. And so that's an infrastructure that you're actually paying for, but you don't actually see its operation. So let's translate that into the supernatural. Jesus paid for an infrastructure with his life. And now the job, the difference between us as believers in Jesus, you know, there's all kinds of religions out there. I don't know if you know it, but there's all kinds of different belief systems. You know, one of my favorite lines is, is Jesus the only way to God? Well, it just depends on what you want to do with God. If you just want him to be a sidekick, you know, just an accessory when you're in trouble, then it's not that big a deal what you do with God. 
But if you want to be part of the infrastructure, if you want to be part of what God's doing on the earth today, if you want to be part of the expansion, you know, one of the things it says about Jesus is that he grew in favor with God and man. Well, how do you grow in favor? Favor You do it God's way. You know, I think in the Western church, we kind of just wanted to to have God as an accessory. I actually read this little statement yesterday, and I weirdly inadvertently sent it to Aubrey. There was all kinds of inadvertent texts going on yesterday. I don't even know what that was about. Um, but but I think it was from uh, Havilah, maybe. I'm trying to find it here real quick. Since I sent it to you, I'll go look you up. It says, the challenge is that much of the Western church does not discuss the reality of the spiritual realm. That's not us, though. Don't you feel sorry for those churches? Come on, let's just pray for them for just a minute. No, I'm just kidding. But rather soothes the uncertainty with greater intellectual intelligence and furthers spiritual incompetence. I'm sort of against spiritual incompetence. Yes. 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 Thank you. Would you be? Would you join with me? Let's be, let's be not in favor of that. So if you were God and you set up a system of helping us realize, because you're under construction. You know, I have a great second job <laughs> that I put a few hours to a week that... This is kind of a joke right now, but um, trying to manage all of these construction projects with Pammy, it can become a little daunting. And so there's we are having to switch what I would consider our infrastructure, away, the way that we operate the business, because used to, Pam said it really good yesterday, we used, we've had this plumber we've used for 18 years and so Pam would just meet with Bubba Plumber and she would just point around and say these different things she wanted done. But nowadays, that, that's, not, that's not working for us. Now they want you to send them pictures and describe everything you want. Then they'll bid it. It's like plumbing has gone to a whole new realm of configuration. And we're having to adjust. We lost our little Bubba dude that we had an infrastructure with him. We had a way that worked with him. And now he's not working. He's not doing that anymore. And so we had to adjust. And it's this it's the same way with God. The same thing that you use to illuminate and actually introduce faith, just supernatural activity. The ways that he introduced that you have a gift. You know, your gift is a grace from God. It's a grace to, it's not a title. It's a grace in which that you see life operating that you and Him, He wants to partner with you to flow through this grace, this power, this ability to see things. That's why everybody has a different viewpoint. That's why if you're going to equip the saints, if you're going to be part of the equippers, you've got to know your identity of this grace. It's not the title of who you are. Quit trying to figure out if you're a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist or a teacher. Just heal the sick. In that process of doing what he said, you'll discover how you see things. And so part of our job in this 
what I consider an infrastructure for. It's, it's a foundation and it has to be built on faith because it says without faith, it's impossible to please God. That, that should tell us something. That means that everything that God will ask me to do will require faith. So everything that you're doing where you don't check with him, that's not faith. That's Tisa. That's you. Whatever your name is. You insert. That's you. And, and see, the thing about humanity is we try to develop all these systems where we don't need him. And he's, he is actually putting an end to all of those. I had six conversations with people yesterday that God was saying to them, I'm putting an end to an old system. Six conversations yesterday. I'm putting an end to an old infrastructure that you built without me. It's got you so far because we're amazing. Humans are amazing. We can do anything. We can do tons without God. Why would we, though? That's the, really the question. Right? Right? Because without this faith being activated and operated, right? And what, and I've been talking to you about this a long time, I know, but how does faith get activated? Through obedience. I know some of y'all hate that word. Try to get a new infrastructure, if you will, over that word obedience. It's the activator of the thing that pleases him. So he wants to set you up with opportunities after opportunities where you have to exercise something that actually teaches you what a delight you are to him. There isn't anything about us that wants to be disobedient and feel God's undelight. Right? Because see, you have to understand God can't change his nature, but you can change yours. Let's let's really try really hard not to make God change his nature according to how my nature is. He wouldn't be God then. Right? Creation has to adjust, not the creator. Agreed? See, I smell that burnt barbecue still, I'm telling you. It's been driving me crazy. So in this book that you've been reading... He was describing some infrastructure. And I, I propose to you today that, that you need some infrastructure. You need some infrastructure built on faith personally. And my job is to try to help you build some infrastructure corporately. They're two different things. You've got to have a lot of private one-on-one victories before that you'll have a bunch of public victories. That's just a good God, though. Right? See, one of the things that happens is, and I started to say it a second ago, what He uses to develop us in our immaturity isn't the same thing He does when we are mature. So that's why I said that statement about that we've got to grow in favor. The way that we grow in favor is... That through this activation of obedience, through this activation of faith, it's a process that keeps going on forever. Yeah. Forever. You're not trying to reach some epitome where now I got it and I don't need him anymore. Right. See, the weird thing about natural maturity is kids generally want to grow out of needing their parents. And then they're off to prove they can do it without the restriction of good of parenting. 
It's so weird, isn't it? That's, that is actually, strangely enough, what we actually do in parenting. We actually train our children to not need us anymore. And that really isn't the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to train a child in the way God said they would go. That's why you can't give them unlimited choices in their soul based on an infrastructure that's of the world because then eventually they'll look out at the world and they'll say, well, I just want to go do that because we taught them they could. How many went through that little small period of time in your life? That's called rebellion, just in case you didn't know. Who are you really? We think we're rebelling against our parents, but we're really rebelling against God. That should help all your parents whose children are in rebellion. They're not rebelling against you. It's the greatest knowledge you can come to as a parent when you realize they are literally not rebelling against me. They're rebelling against God. And if you taught them God, that gave them something to rebel against. So that means, what's the cool part about that? They can't run from it. Remember when you were out running with scissors, there was still that thing. That thing, right? The dream, the thing. There's this unsatisfactory. It was just... There was all, it was just weird, right? How it's just always there. And you're like, man, I want to get away from it. I want to leave and I want to just run like the wind, but I can't. It's just right there. That's God. Right? And so in this book, there's an infrastructure he talked about. I'm just going to mention these four things. He said, there's four things in this book that is about this infrastructure or this culture of Bethel. And he said that one was that we recognize his presence. Now, see, here's the thing. When he's telling us these things, we can't go reproduce Bethel. But depending on how many of us embrace the infrastructure of what one life was made for, why was one life made? It was made so that your, your, your life in secret and your life in public are the same. That's why. And the only way you can do that is to be involved and be in touch with His presence all the time. He's got to be at home with you. He's got to be, when you're on your little laptop, He's got to be right there with you. When when you're in relationships, He's got to be right there with you. Every place that He's not, you have a potential for a slip-up. And what's cool about the enemy, He's really consistent. He gives you the opportunity and the suggestion for a slip-up, and then he hounds you with guilt after you've done it. Consistent. Real consistent. Right? And see, that's the thing, is then it breaks down the infrastructure. So that's what's going on in this country. Let me just help you. So why... So the... Let's just pick something. Let me pick something. Um, Let's pick the police. So... So the police have been accused of doing bad things. So then what is the answer? Let's get rid of the police. Right? Let's get rid of the infrastructure of harm. Instead of, they don't realize it's, the the harm came from the thing in the person, not the structure of a police department. Do you understand? You could put, put the... You could take that same person that's a bad police officer and you can stick them somewhere else, not the police. You could put them at Target. And they would make Target bad. Right? Why? Because their ability to influence culture is greater than the the entity that was influencing them. 
clearly they are outside of God's infrastructure. So do you see that that's just a basic example of how we take a broken down person and we act like it's the system. The system is always just made up of people. The church, shockingly enough, is just made up of people. So if my heart in anything, whether it be one life or another church or wherever, whatever is in me, when I take it to the entity, whether it be work or some infrastructure of the government or whatever, and I have my own agenda, right? That's what's going on in, the, in politics. The, the political arena was constituted, was created to what? To lead a country into prosperity. But what happened? People with their own agendas, right? That didn't know God. And that's why that the moral decline keeps touching more and more areas. I mean, when I was a child, to think that people wouldn't want to be a male or a female didn't make any sense. I mean, I wouldn't have even thought of it. That was 58 years ago. I, in 1963, it was not on my grid. I wasn't praying against it. I, w- it. I never dreamed. I remember I was probably in my late 20s when I first heard that people weren't happy with their gender. And I thought, it feels ludicrous to me because I'm thinking, well, there's clearly some parts we can't change. Right? I mean, there's, there's clear definitions between men and women. And, and then I realized they're going to change those too. And I'm just like, that just, I never did think. Well, see, it just keeps developing into more and more areas. But what's the real issue? The real issue is there's not an infrastructure to please him. That's all it is. Let's don't make it be a whole bunch. God's simple. There's just not anything in their hearts that's wanting to please them. So who are they pleasing? They're pleasing self. And so who, who helps us please self? It's the Garden of Eden story. Where, where he just walked in and said, Did God really say that? And they I was just with him at 2. Now it's 4 p.m. Let me think. I can't remember what God said. That's Do you see that happens to you? I can, I'm telling you some good stuff right now. I'm just curious who could hang on to it till next Sunday. The, the reason why you can't hang on to it is because you're allowing so many other voices that are contradictory. If I could speak to you today and I say, and I say, this is an infrastructure. If, if you don't have it and you're in this building, you'll affect this building. And you said, whoa, I don't want to do that. I want to be a part. If you're in America and you just throw trash, you're, you're acting like you live in Haiti. You just throw, I'm not, I don't want to follow you around and say, don't throw trash on the ground. I don't have time for that. But if you don't have anything in here, it says, well, this infrastructure, I'm just using these basic. But see, translate that into other areas. How you talk to people, how you think about people, how you think about God, how much time you spend with God, how much time you spend on your purpose, how much time you spend on mentoring, how much time you spend on growing, how much time you spend on maturing. See, God wants to keep moving us along in the infrastructure. So when you're a kid, 
and you're raising this country, you don't, aren't even thinking. I don't think Abe's sitting around thinking, I wonder how they're going to pave this road next week. I mean, he might be, but do you see what I'm saying? As a kid, we think what? Kid stuff. He's like, man, when can I pickleball next? Right? When can I do something amazing next? When can Phil take me to the movie next? He's he, what? He's thinking he's a kid. You know, and so his parents' job is to say, there's a time to think that, but then there's a time to think about God. Now, he may not in his, in his little soul want to think about God. So his parents say, let me help you think about God. Let me give you some assignments that make you go think about God. See, as adults, we don't have that. The only way it shows up is when I hear what you're saying. I can tell if you've been with him. I'm not at your house going, let me give you some assignments to think about Jesus. Let me send you some scripture. I might, as fast as I'm talking today, I might just throw out, you need to read that chapter later. I'm not going to call you to see if you read it. But see, it, my ability to be involved in the infrastructure without supervision determines if I'm going to grow in favor with God and man. The, the opportunity to grow is available. It's the same way with your gift. If you're one of those people that picks up on stuff, smells or feelings, pains, and we have to keep having the conversation year after year, that headache's not you. That feeling, Judy this morning, she first thing, I'm feeling something. I didn't have to say to her, it's not you. This is what I said to her. She said, I, I, this is what I'm picking up on today. There's people are having a hard time focusing and maybe just a little bit. She thought it was her, but I'm not sure. The hard time focusing and they feel like they can't find God. And I said, okay, just thank the Holy Spirit for telling you what he wants to answer today. Yes. God is not hard to find. Yeah. Right? And so I am now talking about what she woke up with. Now, she could have run that puppy on down some other road. I always tell her, if you're going to run it down to the dead end, you're going to have to retrace those steps. All that time you spent running down there trying to figure out it was you, and all that time you spent by coming back, I'm still right here waiting on this, still, this main road. God is speaking, yeah. Yeah. and God wants to tell us what He wants to solve in people's lives. God is telling us it's not even about our little group. This goes out. I've told you all those countries that are listening to what we're having to say. So they're, they're, God's trying to say there's an infrastructure of participation with the things that are on his heart. And so, again, back to the book, he's telling us we've got to recognize his presence. That is something I didn't learn from Bethel. Right. Yes. I didn't learn that. I learned I needed his presence. Now they just gave language for it. I'm th I am so thankful for the language they give to stuff. But have you ever thought that we're going to have some language for some stuff? So be a language maker of the things of God instead of trying to find another book to find it in. And he also said, you've got to believe he's living inside of you. See, I think about this all the time. I don't think about my heart. I think about Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing in there today? How are you feeling today, Jesus? 
What's on your mind today, Jesus? Jesus is in, he's excited. He's excited about living in you. He's excited that you know him. He's excited that you received him. All excitement. There's nothing in Jesus is going, man, you're wearing me out. You've been working on the same problem for seven years. Get it together. He's not saying, he's like, he's like, Papa, he's up there talking to him. How can we show them this another way? I mean, like, I'm feeling like breakthrough in this area is coming on Monday, July the 26th. What can we show them on the 25th? And tomorrow is their day. He's up there. He's so excited. So I'm thinking, okay, he's living in there. He's the word. You know, that he's the, the, the presence is the Holy Spirit. That's the game changer. It makes everything else make sense. Has anyone, see, I grew up knowing the Holy Spirit, and I think I spoke in tongues when I was three, so I don't know. But I don't, not really, that was a joke. But how many didn't grow up knowing much about the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues or anything? And do you remember when you got filled with the Spirit? We're calling it filled with the Spirit, right? Although the Spirit came with the package, how much we activated and we turned him on. Okay, right? How many remember that day? What felt different? You were saved before. What felt different? I'm hoping you're going to say everything, but what felt different? It, it was different, right? But see, as you mature, there's more of those moments. He wasn't done. And so as we learn more, as we mature more, just like as when we are children, we're thinking about self, there comes a time, it starts, it's supposed to start happening around 11 or 12, where you begin to look around and go, there's other people in the world I could actually think about. That's when it happened for Jesus. Remember? That's, that is the time. There's, there's something else that goes on during that time. Do you know what it is? It's a P word. It's called puberty. It's the same thing. What is happening? You are being transformed, metamorphosized into an adult. So you begin to put aside childish things. That's why it's weird when someone at 30 is still doing 11-year-old stuff. You're going, did you, did you miss the metamorphosis? Why? Because the thing that transforms in children is they begin to think less of themselves and they begin to realize there's a whole world out here that God has called them to reach. Now see, as adults, if we don't do that, we look funny. Where we're so consumed with ourselves, everything everybody says, oh, ah, oh, touchy, feely, oh, oh, offended. Oh, you know, I don't like that. All the food's got to be about us. We don't change the toilet paper roll. You know, we don't, we don't do anything. Because what are we doing? We're still 11, right? We forgot to look around. And we're thinking, when's mom going to be by to change the toilet paper roll? When's dad going to be by to pay the car payment? When's something going to happen where I don't have to be responsible? But see, if I grow in favor with God and man, I grow in responsibility and I love it. I love it because why? It is the opportunity for God himself to be more involved with me because I have more things I can't do without him. That's the true meaning of responsibility. And if we don't get rid of that thought of, well, I don't know how, I don't, I don't really check in with God ever. 
I do a whole day and I never talk to him. Then I'm not growing in favor with him and with man. I'm just growing in favor with me. Just me, 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 me. And then when he comes calling and says, hey, heal the sick. Oh, me don't feel like it. Me feels something else. Me feels uncomfortable. Me feels awkward. Me feels like I'm not led. Me feels like I, I don't know if, if that's really on his heart today. Me, 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 me. And so he has to do things, right? I call them opportunities. You may call them problems. See, they show up. I see them repeat in people's lives. See, Pam's working on a new system right now for Desrim, and she continually has contractors that don't show up, don't come. It's a new system for Pammy. That's not joy for Pammy. There's not joy right there. But see, I'm, I'm trying to teach her, listen, there's joy in the letting go of the way that you thought it was going to be. Yeah. And see, it, it, as long as I'm holding on, well, this is the way we used to do it. See, do you, do you hear those words in how the move of the Spirit happens? Well, yeah. He didn't used to move that way. I know some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but in the old days, you know, if anybody... See, I was always raised in a prophetic church, and so I just spent that short amount of time in the Assemblies of God, which wasn't very prophetic. And that... Right? right. And so I, I got out of that. Because why? I couldn't exercise myself in it. I had When I went to church there, I had to go like this. I had to get down underneath the ceiling. Because I was a woman. I was divorced. Two big X's right there. So then the grace gift that was operational in my life couldn't function in the structure of that infrastructure. We got to get out. And me, I, I had to leave some stuff behind. They taught me. I didn't realize they were limiting me, not God. Have you ever thought that somebody, that, have you ever realized that the structure of somebody is limiting you, not God? If somebody didn't believe in you, if somebody didn't know your grace gift, if somebody didn't breathe on that and encourage that, they actually put a ceiling on you and you lived down below that for a long time. You had to get way down low like this. This is how you live for a long time. And when you talk to them again, they're like, get down low. And you're like, and I don't know, some of y'all still go, okay. And you go over to their house and you talk to them way down low. And then you come home. This used to happen to Pam. That's how I know. She would, it would be time to go see her family. And she would just be all wrought up. All wrought up. Why? Because they were trying to get her to be the old identity. And she had long since left that. So their words and their action, there's just a frustration within you when you're like, I wish they knew who I was now. I wish they could receive who I was now. I wish they could talk to me the way I am now. I wish they could, but sometimes they can't, and I can't promise you that they ever will. So you just depend on how many times you want to exercise going down and getting back. 
And I just chose, I don't want to go down low anymore. Your call. See, because God's calling requires you to live in this place of favor. And you can't do both. You can't listen to the old mindsets over and over and over again and live free. I know some of y'all try to all the time. It will never happen. And, and I, let me help you. God didn't call you to do that. See, that's what messes us up. It's really us. We don't want them to think that, that, that we're mad at them. I'm just telling you. And so you do these things. You alter yourself based on the old infrastructure. So you can't go to Haiti and you can't start saying, okay, I'm going to implement American infrastructures here. Because your neighbor is not going to put the trash in the bin, in blue bin. No, no, it's not going to happen. So you're going to be the only one. That's what you're trying to do. When you go back to the old system, you're trying to infiltrate a whole system that's been created and you're just the one person putting the trash in the trash can. That's why it's so frustrating. And so God sets up a spiritual entity called an infrastructure where your faith and grace gifts are supposed to operate within that infrastructure. And so he set up all the ways and the avenues, people that understand you and get you and celebrate you for you. That's growing in favor with God and man. See, the problem is, is that we sometimes don't embrace the actual things that the creator of the universe gave us to replace the things that didn't happen for us. It's true. I know you, some of y'all don't believe me. Anyway, back to the book. So he's living inside of us. And number three, he's always doing something wonderful. Yeah. Yep. Do you believe that? Yeah. And he wants to do it through you. Yeah. These are just four basics. And we must expect he wants to do impossible things. So that's, that is an infrastructure that gave room for people to experience healing and miracles. Can you see why? Because what happened? Their influence and expectations were all the same. God loves unity. Why does He love unity? Because your influence and expectations are the same. See, if I'm talking to you today... And then you leave here and you go get influence from a different source that doesn't believe the same about you. So like, for instance, if you go to somebody and they are mad at you or they don't support you or whatever, and you try to get opinions from them, then it's opposed. Do you understand? It's in opposition to the infrastructure of the kingdom. The reason we battle so much is because we have two opposing infrastructures trying to influence our hearts and what we do with our actions. Remember, an infrastructure is a foundational system required for activity. So faith is an active thing in the kingdom. It's an active, it's it's a mountain mover. That means that when I come up to a mountain, my faith by my obedience, by my last 10 days of obedience or whatever, it was activated enough when I come up to a mountain, I'm like, okay, I know what to do right here. 
I know what to do right here because I have been activated by my obedience with the faith I already have. We're not, oh, I wish I could explain this better. We're not trying to get faith. We have it. It's, it's hanging out in there with Jesus. They're excited to get to use this faith with you. So they set up opportunities as human beings to where something impossible is going on. Can anyone think of anything that they feel like is impossible right now? Lord Jesus. Just two people. Okay, well, great. So there are. You have some, whether you can raise your hand or not. Non-participators. That's okay. So there's impossible things right now. I can look around the room, and I know most of y'all's stories. I can think of one for all of y'all just right off the top of my head. So there's a, some of y'all are looking at me like, really? I don't, I don't even know. Things that aren't kingdom-like. Let's just use that maybe. That will be easier for you because that impossible word just blew y'all's heads. Things that are not kingdom in your life right now. People that you know. Opportunity, the country you live in. I just gave some descriptions. Right? Some possible things. Some laws that are being passed. Some, some, some states that think they're countries and they're trying to do their own thing. Right? That feels impossible, doesn't it? Feels like Haiti. Like the trash, right? So see, I can go get a trash bag. That's natural. Or I can ask according to, not my will. I preached on this a few weeks ago. Sorry, we're still. His will, right? And I can see things on a natural scale transform because I've done it with the supernatural. See, that's why you've got to build more infrastructure with the supernatural because it's the power to change the natural. What we keep trying to do, we keep trying to talk. Talk to people. I'm gonna, I'm gonna change them. I'm gonna explain. I'm gonna do right. We're gonna do all these things with our natural actions. How many know what I'm talking about? Instead of partnering with what lives in me, this infrastructure of alignment that I'm saying, I'm aligning with a group of people and I'm aligning with kingdom. And it says one can put a thousand of flight, two can put 10,000 of flight. What can a bunch of people that actually agree? I'm telling you the reason why Bethel is successful is because they have agreement. So... I think, you know, God is really trying to describe for us. I had talked to another person yesterday, Tracy, and, you know, think about it for a minute. When I was at the glasses place and I was describing to them this problem and I was saying, you know, these are not right. I said, when I look at my eyeballs, they're not right. It didn't look right. That there's some sort of coating on them that's actually peeling off. Like I can, all I can see is all these spots and shadows everywhere I look. I, they they got dots all. I mean, just I was just going on on describing them. None of that was even necessary. The problem was when she looked at the screen and she said, "Why did you get these other lenses?" Now, see, everything in me was like, huh. Like, what do you mean? Like, I, I didn't get a different lens. Well, you've always gotten the top of the line, and you didn't this time. Well, see, I remembered. 
I was standing, I mean, I didn't remember right then, but I was sitting there going, well, there's the problem. But what's my next thought? Why? Why the heck did he give me these lenses? Well, and then I remembered he, he wanted, he wanted to give them to me for free is really what happened. He didn't want to make me pay anything, the, the previous guy, because he liked me. But he chose a cheaper lens that I didn't approve and didn't tell me. So I'm experiencing the effect of a choice that someone made without my permission because they had a different agenda. And see, I'm just telling you, that's why you've been seeing funny. That's why it's not working quite right. Because your original design from Papa is not the altered choice that someone made for you without, without your approval. Yes. And so all the ways... <laughs> this is the second pair of this same cheap lens that he ordered for me. I'm on three pairs this year. I usually keep them for a couple years. They're expensive lenses. I mean, the lenses alone are $700. And so when she's telling me, well, those were just $500, I was like, no, they're not $500. I know they're $700. And then, it, oh, it just kept getting clearer and clearer. And it wasn't until we even got out to the car where we were, Christy was with me when I bought them, we were discussing, why would he do that? Oh, because he was trying to give them to me for free. And so the girl who I wasn't even going to trust, right? She's the one that found it. Yeah. See, somebody found some stuff. You didn't know what was wrong with you. You didn't, you didn't know why you were seeing weird. And somebody said, well, did you approve this message over your life? That you're a problem? You're an issue? You're weighty? You're not smart. Can't talk. Got a speech impediment. Did you approve that message? Wow. See, the enemy, see, once I get my new lenses, he's not going to be able to say nothing. Yeah. I'm kind of glad he wasn't there because I might would have had to have a different conversation, being choleric and all. So I was thanking God. The sweet little phlegmatic girl was there, and we had a different conversation, you know? than I would have had with the dude that keeps giving me these lenses, right? Yeah. See, that's the thing, is that you, you have got to have the tenacity over your own calling, over your own life. You've got to begin to say, I'm sorry that you raised me in this infrastructure where it was just all tore down. Nobody was taking the trash out. Nobody was checking nothing. There wasn't no roads. There wasn't no police. There wasn't nothing. We were against everything. There wasn't no giving. There wasn't no serving. There was nothing. It was just me, 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 me. And I'm changing the infrastructure. And I'm saying, no, I'm not doing that one anymore. I'm making a choice now. I'm making a choice for my own life. And I want to grow in favor with God and man. I don't care to grow in favor with people who do not know who I am. And that's why God says he's in a different room. He's just in a different room today. But Tracy was telling me that 
she saw this picture, and I think she prayed into it yesterday, but she was just saying that she saw this picture of this lab, and they were mixing stuff together. And what I told her was, I said, well, God doesn't want us to do experiments on our own life. You know, in a lab, you know, with little beakers. I hated science, so, you know, I didn't want to go in there. They made me dissect that frog in eighth grade, and I was like, I don't even, that smell. I think it's the smell I'm smelling today. <laughs> and, and so in, a, in that situation in a lab, they're mixing stuff together. They don't know what it's going to do. See, that's what happened to some of us. It is. People just mixed a bunch of stuff together and didn't know what they were doing. Didn't know God. Isn't it weird to find out that all those weird sensations you were having weren't what you thought they were? They were actually God. And you actually stuck definitions on them because someone told you to. Most of us were told we were too sensitive. How many were told at some point in their life they were too sensitive? See, you're, you are trying to find someone to understand this grace gift flowing through you. And now you're having to demolish the old infrastructure. Because most of us were told when we were too sensitive, was it a positive or a negative? And God now saying, I'd love to use that sensitivity on you. And you're like, okay, wait, it was negative. Now it's good. What happened? It was just the wrong system. It was the wrong infrastructure. Those people are living in Haiti. They're just throwing down trash anywhere they want. Throwing down trash from their words. Trash with their actions. Just trashing on your life all the time. And you came along and said, well, I, I, I think we should pick up this trash. Like, we shouldn't be saying this. We should be. I love it. Don't you love it when you try to do, introduce healthy relationships to unhealthy people? Yeah. They call you mean. You're like, no, no, I'm trying to describe to you how mean you are. And they're like, you're just mean for telling me I'm mean. Well, but you really are mean. And I was just telling you, because wouldn't you want to know your best stuff? No, because you're the mean one for telling me that I'm mean. Anybody had that happen yet? I just say, well, just be the mean one then. You know, the think about it. I've got a side note. i got a sidebar. So, remember Danny gave us language for this. He said there's got to be not two people. There's always three people functioning in the relationship in your noggin. People have assigned a role to you. And there's only three choices. These are all under the umbrella of unhealthy dynamics relationally. And how much do relationships take up your time in your life? So, if these three unhealthy dynamics are going on, you're playing one of the roles. You're playing. You're playing. You're playing. And the first moment you can realize, I will not be one of these three roles. I will not be the victim. I will, it's hard. How many got to play the victim at home? Come on. Uh, wasn't that a fun thing? You got free ice cream. You got all the, it was a buffet. It's a buffet at your house, right? Ain't no rules. Just poor me. You know, when I run into a victim, I can't get them to do nothing. 
oh, my finger hurts. Oh, right, yeah, we got to stop that. I mean, like, you know, can't butter that bread. Let me just get that for you. Right? It's random stuff that they are choosing to be victims over. And you're just like, I didn't even know this was a, a choice. I mean, like, just do you want bread buttered? I mean, like, I don't want to, right? They're always wanting to get someone else to be responsible for them. And they're mad when you won't be responsible, when you hold them accountable. Well, I'm going to pout them. I'm just going to pout. I'm going to be offended at you for requiring more of me. That's what you're saying. Ooh, yuck, right? Or you're the rescuer. you got to have a victim to be a... So you do what? You run around town. And see, victims become rescuers because they remember what that felt like. I will run around town and I will find me a victim and I will rescue them. I will make them feel loved and I'll marry them. We'll have children and then, then we'll have all three parts playing. Right? Right? And I'll teach my children to do it. Right? And then you have to have, don't you love being the bad guy? I'm the bad guy all the time. I may have been the bad guy, be honest. See, if you're in an unhealthy relationship, you've played all the parts. Because it changes. You can be queen for the day for a while. You can be victim for a while. But I want to be victim in about two weeks. So I'll call you when I'm ready to be the victim. And I'll let you know what I need you to help me with. Okay, are you ready? And so, sure enough, without fail, there's going to be a sickness. There's going to be a hospital stay. There's going to be something that their schedule just booked too tight. They're going to need you because they just switched roles and you didn't know it. They didn't even call you. Well, you don't love me. You haven't been over to see me. It's just on and on and on and on. And you see, those are all infrastructures that you lived in. I mean, everybody wants to play the victim role because you get the ice cream. Nobody wants to be the bad guy, though. Well, they're all mad at me. And this is the line. I didn't even do anything. No, you just played one of the roles. Remember when you were getting all the ice cream when you were a victim? You played. So they're like, eventually, this is going to turn around. And see, the cool thing about rescuers is they feel so heroic. They saved the day. And they made sure everybody still needed them. Anybody have anybody in their family that are rescuers? They've always been, haven't they? Yes. There's always somebody in need of them, isn't there? Yeah. Always. Do you realize that that's about them? Right. It's not about what they're rescuing. They have to be in that role. Why? What's, what is the he, healed version of that? It's boundaries. Yes. The healed version and nobody wants to have boundaries when they've had freedom to run in your backyard and steal your dog anytime they wanted. Why would they want you to establish a boundary? They will look at you like you have lost your ever-loving mind, like you don't even love anymore. And see, that's the dynamic of an infrastructure that's Haiti. I don't want to live in Haiti. Do you? So I'm going to have to exercise something. So that's why I told Tracy, we're, we're experimenting with our own lives. We're mixing stuff together. And we're mixing all these things. And he really just wants us to yield. See, the goal is to get to the place where you're so comfortable yielding. Like, I feel nervous to not yield. 
When I see the Holy Spirit doing something, He's changing something, He's doing this in every area of my life right now. He's expanding. That's yeah. why. Yeah. To expand, everything has to change. Yeah. What? My level of responsibility and participation has to change in expansion. We all say we want to move from here, and Cheryl said it prophetically the other day, and we all say we'd like to be at a place where we didn't have to walk up 29 flights of stairs, but the expansion has to occur in here. Yes. And with expansion means there's an old infrastructure that is obsolete. Yes. Guaranteed. You know, when you begin to hear what you're thinking and saying about a situation, it should be able to tell you, Am I using my grace gift for me? So if the Holy Spirit came to you and said, from now on, I'm going to tell you everything that's on my heart. I'm going to help let you feel how I grieve. I'm going to let you feel how I'm quenched. I think, Bill, I wrote this down uh, from the message he said the other day somewhere. Where was that? Hold on. Oh, I've got so many things written down. I may not be able to find it. But he was talking about the difference between grieving and quenching. Do y'all remember? Hmm. It's somewhere in all these notes of mine. Let me look one more place. Here it is. He was saying that basically his principle was that when I react to errors, I create other, create other errors. Right? That's why we don't want to be reactionary to errors. Yeah. It's another playground of the enemy, right? Yeah. So he said that, that we grieve the Holy Spirit with sin. And so then it, the, the reaction to that is let's just focus just on character. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So it's just like, okay, that's all we're focused on, just hyper-focused. Because his point in the message was we've got to be both have character and have power. They've got to be the two legs we stand on. So see, the thing that we do is we always, when there's a problem, we overdramatically react and we put all of our focus on one side. And the the spiritual world is always about balance. Right? So we, we grieve with sin, so it makes us focus on character, and we quench by the failure to cooperate with divine activity. That's why you have to make everything bigger. Yeah. I've been teaching Chrissy this, and so now, like this week alone, she's like, okay, this bluebird, we were, she was at her house, and she saw this bluebird. We went to this other house. I found a bluebird feather. Like, it was that long, and it was beautiful. It was like the brightest blue I've ever seen. And then she went back to someplace else, and there was a bluebird flew right in front of us. So she started looking at bluebirds. Why? What is that? That is participating with divine activity. Yeah. When we're just like oblivious, we're so busy, we're just getting from one place to the next, we're just like oblivious to any supernatural activity, we're not changing our infrastructure or not. We're not using our faith at all. The faith has to say, well, why would he give her three bluebirds in a day? Why does he want her to develop that muscle? What is that muscle? See, when you begin to look at things from divine activity, they're different. Right? It's the burning bush example. Will you turn aside and see? Remember, Moses saw burning bushes all the time. There was only one difference. Right. It wasn't consumed. See, that's the thing, is you have to be able... You know those games on your phone where you pick out all the stuff? Anybody ever played those where you look at one picture and you look and see what's not on the other picture? 
Or they tell you, look, find a dog or a cat or something. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing all the time. He's got a picture, and he's saying, do you see the dog? Do you see the bird's cage? Or are you just like, oh, I can't tell. Oh, this is too busy for me. Right? And so he says, the way that we react to quenching is we stop the flow and we focus just on power. See, that we don't want to stop the flow. We don't want to have a reaction to it. And so then, So we either are saying, I want to have power and I want to have character. Or we're just saying, no, everything's about character. Everything's about power. It's the same as, do you understand the balance is the principle I'm trying to talk about? There's a balance. So I think when I think about this, I think about um, one of the things I was reading was about the story about when Jesus was resurrected and he came back. I can't wait for the chosen to see how they do this, but um, he came back and he met with the disciples, right? And it says, let's read it so I can read a scripture today. Otherwise we won't be legal. John 20. Let's look at John 20. So, so, so remember, he came back to them, and remember that in verse 21, he said, Peace be to you, and he, he took a deep breath, and he blew on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So he filled them with the Holy Spirit right then, right? So verse 24, are y'all still with me? Because yeah. some of y'all are sleeping. So verse 24, he says, One of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas. Now, interesting enough... This is the only time in John that I could find that he used the word faith, pistos, which I've been pistos or pistis. It's just a uh, plural or non-plural version or female or non-female version, uh, male version. Anyway, it's the only time in John that he, John, you know, John, the dude, right? Laying on his chest, that he even mentioned faith. So that tells me something. What does that tell you? It tells me that he was really high in faith. Yeah. Right? So here's the one time he mentioned it. He said it was about Thomas, the twin. It says, we've seen the Lord with our own eyes. And Thomas said, Thomas said, still unconvinced, there's no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands. They talked about he wanted to see the plume, you know, the little bump out. Um, and touch them with my finger and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. And it says, eight days later, Thomas was with the others, and Jesus walked through the, the wall. I don't know about you, but that might have been enough for me. I may feel like that probably wouldn't have still done it. That you still would have needed a plume touching. Not Thomas. He may have been melon. I'm not for sure. And Jesus said, peace be, to, be, peace be to you. And then looking into Thomas's eyes, he said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands and put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. But then he said this, Thomas, don't give in to your unbelief your doubt any longer, just believe. And it says, and then the word spilled out of his heart, you are my Lord and you are my God. And so he goes on to say some other stuff to him. He talks about, and that's where the faith word is on down there. But see, the thing of it is, is that Jesus was willing 
to do that one proof. But then what did he say? Stop doubting. Stop doubting. And see, what happened in that moment is what God is trying to do with us in this infrastructure. It said it spilled out of him. You are the Lord. I don't need any more proof is what he was saying. I am. Let me just give you a prophetic warning. I believe that God is saying he is done with this fear thing in us. That it is time for us to whatever plume you need to touch, whatever thing you need to get right with him, whatever thing you need him to say, he is saying that today's the day. And that that he does not want us to surrender any more of our life or time to fear because he said, stop, stop living with unbelief. It, the answer to unbelief, the end, I mean, the, to fear is to believe. It's time to believe. And see, whenever, whatever you need to get satisfied in you, whatever thing you need to touch, he's just saying today, this is the day to touch it. He's here to demonstrate to you who he is. But if we keep, if we, if we leave here today and then we tomorrow encounter something that he's trying to use to mature us and it causes us to go back, well, I need to touch another place on your body. I need to touch another plume. I just feel like he's just saying that he's not going to do that. I feel like he's just saying this is a time of maturity and for who will receive it, I think he'll change you. Come on, Mendel. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you, Tisa, for a great message. You know, when I think of infrastructure... I almost couldn't say that. I, I, the first thing I was picturing was like a floor plan of a house or an apartment. If you've ever gone, you know, apartment shopping and you can look online or whatever and see all the different floor plans. And the thing about um, infrastructure is that when, when Jesus says, hey, I'm over here on this floor plan and you're in another floor plan, how much relationship are you going to have? You're, you know, you're limited, pretty limited. And so the cool thing about adjusting to where he's at, adjusting our infrastructure to overlap with his infrastructure is that we actually grow in the depth of our relationship with him, that we get to experience with him. So sometimes we are, you know, crying out to know him more and we're, we're wanting to experience all the feel good stuff about being in relationship with Jesus, but we're not, we haven't shifted our infrastructure about how we operate in life. So one of the keys to actually experiencing more of him and experiencing the depth and the passion of re- the level of relationship that you want to have with him is through this process that Tisa was talking about today, through this infrastructure. So I wanted to share a little bit about my, um, I have a word from yesterday I wanted to share with you. And I would say that I've been experiencing this. I've been experiencing, I've been shifting my infrastructure more and more and more to line up with his. And because of that, I've been experiencing new levels and layers of relationship with him. And so I'm finding myself, I keep finding this thing, I've, I've talked about it before, where I'm wanting to, sh- I'm shifting from my love for him being about what he's done for me to my love for Jesus being for Jesus, like just loving him. And so it's, you know, it's an ongoing process. And so 
um, I had this um, come over me in a really strong way yesterday. And so I expressed myself to him about this shifting that I'm experiencing. And then he had a response back to me that I thought was really cool. And so I want to share that with you, um, give you a taste of what's available in this um, delicious relationship with him. So I said, Papa, refine my love, refine my love for your son. For so long, he has represented salvation, a saving me away from the pain and difficulties of this world. He's so faithful, so faithful in doing just that. Majestic and regal, valiant and victorious, he rides in to save my day over and over again. He is my victorious king, and he is so good at being my savior, but he is so much more so much more. I've been sensing and experiencing a delightful shift within me. Breathe on this, Papa. Breathe on this. Make the flames higher and even brighter. I'm discovering that all that I was looking for when I experienced the hurt and pain that I needed him to save me from is actually found in him. He is everything I've ever needed, ever longed for. My love for him is shifting from being driven by gratitude to being driven by passion for him. I no longer want, just want, saving solutions, wisdom for the issues of the day, or the divine rescue operations. I want him. I want you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. I want to know you. I want to know you more. I want to know your heart, your passions, your dreams, all of your favorite things. I want all those other things to move out of the way, to get out of the space between you and me. I find myself praying a different kind of prayer these days. Make way for the king. Make way for the king. I know this is the perfect prayer for every situation and every need, but for me, it's taken on new meaning. Let there be nothing in the way between you and me. Jesus, I want to experience you. I want to know you intimately. I want to hear your words in order to know you, not just know what to do or know about you. I want to feel your heart to experience it, it with you. I want to be with you. I want to share sunsets and long walks with you, to marvel at your kingdom and majestic creation with you. I want you. I want to be so bonded to you, with you, that you are the center on which my world turns. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to know you. So distractions, step aside. It's time for the king and I. Problems and pains, you will no longer be the focus of my day. My passion is sanctified, refined with a taste for only one thing. Jesus, my king, the one of my dreams. Show me how to know you more. Lead me further into our intimate journey. Hearken, O oh ears, to hear his invitations. Jesus, show me which path you're on, where I can find you as the day goes on.
Jesus doesn't hear something like that from our hearts and not respond. If you remember last week, he was expressing to us how much he receives our words, he receives our thoughts and our adoration, our worship. It's his passion. So in my time with him yesterday, I poured all of this out to him. I was expressing my heart to him, how my hunger for him. I was expressing my hunger for him. And, I, and I, so I sat and I waited for what was on his heart because I just said, I want to know you. So I don't have an agenda. Tell me what's on your heart. And so I started seeing blue ribbons. And then I saw that Jesus was tying blue ribbons into a little girl's hair. And then I suddenly realized it was my hair and he was weaving them into braids. So this funny thing happened though, that when I saw that picture, I saw the hairdo that Jesus was giving me and I didn't like it. (laughs) And so then I thought of two other ways that he could braid my hair with the blue ribbons that I liked a little better. But then this thing happened, which is what I would normally do. And I was like, what are you doing, Christy? Stop it. Stop telling Jesus how to fix your hair. You know, if he wants to fix your hair, let him fix your hair. And so I started to shut, shut it all down. And, I, and because I wanted to know him, you know, I want you tell me. I'm, I'm trying to, I need to shut myself down so that I can even hear you. And I heard him in that moment say, that's exactly what I want to talk to you about. That's exactly what I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you that I don't really like that hairdo, Jesus. Let's do this hairdo. So I started to get this download from him, and I'm going to read it to you. And I I covered this part that I just, this part of my encounter with you um, in it. And so... Jesus told me, he said, I know you don't want this to be about you today, but you see, you are the object of my affection. Remember, I just asked him, what's on your heart? He's like, you're on my heart. You are on my heart. He said, today I am tying blue ribbons in your hair. I'm braiding them into your hair. Revelation and communion with me will forever be a part of your wisdom and anointing. I will never remove them from you. You have my word, my promise. These ribbons came from me. They are made from colors only found in heaven, pulled from inside the Father himself. They carry life itself within them and they will be entwined with you forever from now on. I see that you don't much care for the first picture of how I fixed your hair. Which way sounds better to you? I see you have two ways you're considering. Which one is your favorite? Ah, I see the one. Yes, well, that's the one we should do then. It's beautiful, and I agree. It most accurately represents you. You see, these are the kinds of things I want to hear. These are the kinds of things that delight me to hear from you. You are coming into new levels of passion to know me. But you see, I have wanted to know you for a long, long, long time. I have been waiting to hear your thoughts, your delights, the way you see things and feel things. So many picture this relationship 
as being between two matured adults. I suppose that's possible eventually, but it's not where it starts, not where it starts for me. Remember when I said that you must be like a child to enter my kingdom? My desire is to know you as a child before the world formed your opinions and preferences. You came into this world with a pure design, a pure heart, with pure dreams and desires, pure thoughts and ways of seeing things. You were unique, a one of a kind, with thoughts and feelings and creative ideas that no one else possessed, ever. I desire to know you like this. You were the joy set before me, remember? You were always the object of my affection. You, beautifully, intricately created and filled with treasure. I have longed to share in those treasures with you, to hear you speak them to me, to experience you displaying them for me, to hear all your thoughts about this or that, all the ways it makes you feel, all the visions you see and the ways you dream. In this world, the child is quickly worked out of who the father created. The child is traded for what the world calls maturity. The church even talks about a mature bride for me. I know what they mean, but they're missing the first most important thing. This notion creates the wrong imagery. The world's definition of mature doesn't fit with mine. In the world, maturity often means to be functioning fully in response to how fully cognizant you are of the problems and shortcomings in and around you. I'm going to read that again. In the world, maturity often means to be functioning fully in response to how fully cognizant you are of the problems and shortcomings in and around you. He says, that is definitely not my approach to or my definition of maturity. I would say maturity is more about being fully restored to your childlike design. Childlike points to original design and purity of expression. It comes from a place of confidence and promise. It comes from a place of confidence and promise rather than response to problems. That's the difference right there. Maturity in Jesus's eyes is confidence and promise rather than what the world says, which is a response to problems. In the world, that confidence and promise is taught to be set aside for what is considered the greater priority of problems, lack, etc. This is why so many come into relationship with me in the place you initially described. They see the world through lenses of problems. They lead in life with what is lacking, what needs solutions. So finally, they seek the solution giver, the savior, me. But I never intended our relationship to start there. Mine and the Father's original intention was to know you as a child, untarnished, unrefined by the world's misaligned priorities. So, you and I have much catching up to do. 
When you ask what's on my heart, what's on my mind, it's you. I want us to go back, all the way back, to the picnics we missed, to the playing with blocks, to all of those coloring books and big boxes of crayons, the kind with the built-in sharpener in the back. There's so much for us to talk about and discover. I'm so excited to hear all your thoughts. This dialogue will be a two-way street, a back and forth between you and me. How about we discover each other together? So Papa, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we just say today we love you. I love your personality, Jesus. I love your personality. I love the way you speak to us, the way you woo us, the way you, the way you do everything with us. I thank you for this invitation to step into a deeper intimacy with you through our childlike design. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing us this message today that talks about your infrastructure, that explains some of the why behind why we are missing out on relationship with you, why we're missing some very much needed elements in our relationship with you. So Papa, we just say thank you for your original design. Thank you for your infrastructure, that there's an infrastructure about how we are meant to operate in this world, but there's also an original design in us and that you are hungry to know, just as we are hungry to know you. So thank you for this, this message today, and I ask you, Holy Spirit, to just make it personal, to, to give people pictures, dreams, encounters with other people. Maybe it's a bluebird or a cardinal or a dream or a sign in the sky or who knows what. You have all the permission in the world to speak to us however you want to. So show each person, Holy Spirit, where our infrastructure is misaligned with yours. Show each person. Let this be a question that's on our hearts as we go through this next week. Not just today, but throughout the week. How can I step to the left or step to the right to get realigned with your infrastructure in this given moment, in this given situation? On Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, every day. Help us make it personal, make it practical, make it fit into our life, into our design, because we hunger to know you in a personal way. We hunger to know you in a personal way. So we just speak a, an increase in hunger to know, to know you, Jesus, to know you intimately, not just for our solutions, but for, for just a simple knowing of you, to be able to exchange what's on our hearts with you and what's on your hearts with us. So we thank you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. And we thank you, Father God. And I just speak a blessing over each person in the room. And I just prophesy that each person hearing this message will experience new levels of intimacy this week. That every place that you're spoken to about your infrastructure will also come with a new level of intimacy. And it will be a delicious, delicious treat. So we thank you, Papa, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com. Okay